This is the Action Network Podcast. But this one is good. All right, here we go. From the 10th, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to the Action Network podcast. I'm Brandon Anderson, joined as always by Raheem Palmer, here to wrap up a crazy week four. Tom Brady drove for the late win in New England, just as the prophecy foretold. The Cardinals took the Rams behind the woodshed in a matchup of unbeatens. We got wild finishes all day. We even got wins for the Jets and the Giants to start the season. Raheem, it looks like you racked up a ton of wins on the Action app today. How'd you do? Yeah, so we turned up today. We went 12-2 and two straight up on spreads, totals, that's teasers. We knocked them out the park. The only disappointment for me is that I continue to struggle when it comes to these football contests. I'm 3-2 and two once again. I've gone 3-2 and two just about every single week of this year. And going 3-2 and two is great when you're trying to overcome the big Minus 110, 52.38%. Hitting 60% is great. But when you're trying to win these contests, you got to hit upwards of 60%, 70%. So I'm a, I got I to gotta get the ball rolling. Haven't played myself out of it yet. But we're going to hopefully turn this thing around. Well, I mean, at least at 3-2, and two, you're keeping yourself in the game. You know, 2-3, and three, a struggle. 1-4, and 0-5, oh you might be out of it already. So you're hanging in there. You just need to get hang one 5-0 and no week, and you'll pull right back out into the front of that. Uh, but we're going to run through the entire Sunday slate with betting takeaways for every game. We will hit Monday Night Football with a preview and picks and finish with our Week 5 hot read, get some early winners. We continue to be hot in that section. As always, odds today are from BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. And let's start out with where we ended. Tom Brady, the triumphant return to New England. Where do we start with this one? I kind of lived up to everything we expected. I personally started, I feel like the, the Bucs underperformed in this matchup. It just felt like this was a game that they probably should have won by a touchdown. They probably should have covered for whatever reason, whether it be the Belichick magic or Foxborough or the rain. They just didn't do what they needed to do to get the cover for the 96% of people who decided to bet the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tonight. Of course, they were one for four in the red zone. They missed the field goal. I mean, this team outperformed them in every single category, more first downs, more yards. For whatever reason, it just felt like the Patriots were hanging on. What what were your thoughts on this game? This played out exactly like we talked about on Friday. You know, our buddy Matt Moore at Action Network always says in NBA to bet the narrative. How many times have we seen Bill Belichick coaching against one of these elite offenses? And it just comes the same thing every time. It's like slow everything down, grind it out. No runs today. The Patriots only ran eight times for minus one yard all game, but lots of just short underneath. Just keep it moving. Keep the clock moving. Make it easy for Mac Jones. And there we go. First half, seven, six, easy under, like we said, slow possession ball. The clock just keeps ticking, keeps ticking. And it's like, you just want a shorter game. You want to shorten it, keep Brady on the sidelines, Patriots cover. And then for all the narrative. Tom Brady, late drive in New England, down the field, just like he always does. It's him in position for the field goal. So I wondered, would we get the twist? Would we get Mac Jones returning the favor? 
And then, of course, we get down there, we get the field goal attempt, the long one, doinks off the crossbar because, of course, it does. More narrative. Bucks win. Uh, we had that one at plus 310, a Bucks to win by one to six at BetMGM, which we gave out on our Friday pod. So I'm feeling good about that. We checked off every narrative box on this one. Without a doubt. I mean, I didn't, I didn't necessarily see it, but it was a game that I wasn't really interested in playing just because so much of the public was on that side. So I kind of stayed away from it. Yeah, sloppy game, too, with all that rain certainly played into the Patriots' favor because you want that helps slow things down. Tom Brady was struggling, I think, early and kind of took something off his passes late. I was a little impressed, actually, as messy as it was. Before the kneel down to end the game, the drives were touchdown, touchdown, field goal, field goal, field goal, missed field goal. But if not for that last miss, we would have basically ended the game on six straight scoring drives, which considering the stakes, considering the weather and what was happening in that game, pretty impressive. Uh, we've talked about the Bucks injuries all year. Carlton Davis went out with the hamstring injury just before halftime. Jamel Dean already out. Sean Murphy Bunting already out. That's all three of the top corners. Antoine Winfield went out late in the concussion protocol, so we don't know what's happening with him. This secondary is going to be a big problem for Tampa Bay. Of course. And then when you look at Richard Sherman, Matt Jones, when he threw to his side, he was actually seven for seven when when Richard Sherman was the nearest defender. And that was like halfway through the game. So it's just I I think the secondary is going to be a problem. And if Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they can't continue to to score points at will, they're going to have some problems. Well, I noticed that at the very least, you're calling him Mac Jones now. McCorkle has been retired. Mike Michael is gone. Here, did he earn Mac from you tonight? Oh yeah, without a doubt, he he played really well tonight. I can't have any criticism. He let him down. Now, obviously, they didn't. They missed the field goal at the end, but he put them in position to win. So yeah, I, I haven't seen rookie of the year odds open up yet, but I have to believe even with the loss that he's probably the leader in that one. Uh, I got a couple other names to talk about with rookie of the year coming up, but Tom Brady, of course, set the all-time passing yards record. Even that was this weird kind of anticlimactic play where it happened. We went to a break. We took a timeout and came back and we're like, oh, just kidding. He had an extra yard. So that was that one. It it was a weird night. We got way too much Steve Belichick floating around the internet, way too many close-ups of him. Uh, You know, lots of memes in this game, not a lot of spectacular football, but we, we hit all the narratives. So oh, yeah, and I also I hit the under on this game. If anybody trailed me, hopefully you could you could buy yeah. yourself a nice dinner or something. Yeah, we I think we hit well on this one. We had a first half under. We had the full game under from you. We had that Bucks close win, Patriots cover. Checked all the boxes on this one. So it's a big day in the NFC West. We finally had all these top teams playing each other. I think the marquee game of the day, no doubt, was the two 3-0 teams facing off, the Arizona Cardinals and the Los Angeles Rams. This game was not even close from the get-go. The Cardinals destroyed the Rams on the road, 37 to 20. You and I both missed the boat on this one. Well, you were on it early, but we were on Rams late. I really missed the boat. What happened to the Rams here? This was a strange game to me coming in. There was a ton of sharp money on the Arizona Cardinals coming into this game. I gave out the Arizona Cardinals plus six on the hot read last week. And then towards the end of the week, you started to see that they had three offensive linemen who were just missing practice the entire week. So I came into this game thinking that the Rams defensive line would dominate. And that was anything but the case. Kyler Murray went out there. He had a total EPA of 15.7. This guy threw 268 yards, two touchdowns. And then it just felt like on every single third down, 
you'd have this team backed up third and 16, either Kyler Murray is just running for a, a third down or he's converting it with a pass play. And you looked at this team, this, I mean, this, this Rams defense was just so soft. The, the Cardinals had a success rate of 55% on passing downs. They had a success rate of 61% with 34% of their pass plays going for first downs. I mean, this Rams team could just not stop them. And then when it came to them on offense, I mean, the Rams just struggled to convert. It looks like the, the Cardinals are probably the best team in the NFC West right now. It looks like they're the best team in the NFC, maybe the best team in the NFL right now. So we'll, we'll come back to that. But to, to me, I'm not so worried about the Rams on this one. It, it reads as just kind of one of those days. You know, Stafford had a deep interception on the second drive of the game. Sony Michelle fumbled on the first play after a touchback early in the second quarter. So suddenly you're down 21-10, just like that, on these, you know, short, easy touchdowns. Your defense is already getting tired out because they've been on the field a lot. Next drive, Stafford misses Cooper Cup deep for a touchdown. He's been hitting Cup on everything all season. Uh, in the second half, the Rams miss a field goal. They had a turnover and downs on the one. You know, it just, everything went wrong. We've seen that, you know, we saw that from the Packers in week one. They've won every game since then. I'm not so worried about that. The offense, I thought, moved the ball fine. Definitely, I agree with you. The, the defense is the real concern here. The Cardinals went three and out on the first drive and then scored on seven of their eight remaining drives in the game before kneeling at the end. Arizona had drives of 87 yards, 75, 70, 64, 94. That's just chewing up yards. And those aren't huge plays either, like Arizona had been scoring. That's just moving the ball down the field. Arizona ran the ball 40 times and they were eight of 13 on third downs. The Rams just couldn't get off the field. So we talked about them earlier this year. You know, the Rams couldn't get off the field against the bears, but then held up in the red zone. They couldn't get off the field against the Colts, but then they held on. And it feels like things are starting to come home to roost a little bit here. They've got to play a lot of good teams still. And, you know, it, more and more where we're seeing these teams, these top contenders where their offenses are awesome, but can't stay on the field long enough and the defenses can't get them off the field. So it's, it's a strange season shaping up where, you know, the Rams look like the best team in the league coming into this one. Suddenly now they're feeling a little bit more like the chiefs, maybe more like the bucks where they can score plenty, but the defense can't necessarily hold their own. And it's a shootout every time. So are you worried about the Rams and their defense on this one? I mean, I have to be, it's just, Anytime your secondary is is struggling the way they struggle, I mean, on third third and long, it, it it wasn't just third and five or third and ten. It it was really third and long, and they just couldn't get off the field. It, it, it was problematic to say the least. So I just think I, I I need a little bit more from the defense if this team is going to be who we say they are. Yeah, I think that that's fair. So let, let's talk about Arizona. So the Cardinals are undefeated. Uh, we, we've still got only the Cardinals and the Raiders are the last two unbeatens, which let's just be honest. Neither of us had that for either one of these teams in our preseason pods. We talked about Cliff Kingsbury as the first coach to get fired. And instead the man is four. No, and the Cardinals look like they could be the last unbeaten. So here's my question. Arizona is still not, not really getting much respect as far as, as playoff odds. And right now at BetMGM, they are plus 1,600 to win the Super Bowl, which is only seventh highest. They're plus 800 to win the NFC, which is tied for sixth in the NFC as clearly the best team in the undefeated right now. So how far do we have to swing on these Cardinals? Is, is their odds 
like, should we be betting on those numbers or is this just a team that's peaking early and, and we're still not there yet? I do think you have to swing a little bit further just because this NFC West, who we really thought was one of the best divisions in football, it doesn't look as good as it as we thought it would be coming into the season. And we're going to talk more about Seattle and San Francisco coming up next. But when I look at this division, they, they appear to be the best team in the division. They appear to have the best offense, probably one of the better defenses in the division as constructed. So and my thing is I always come into this. And I say this all the time that if you win your division, you're in the driver's seat. And those are the teams that I like to look for as far as having a chance to win the Super Bowl. So they've already beaten the Rams at home. Some value on, on, on the Arizona Cardinals. But I really think what the real value is betting Kyler Murray to win MVP because he's playing out of his mind. That's all I was just going to say. I think that would be my play. If I want to play the Cardinals, I'm still not there yet. But if I did want to play them, MVP for Kyler. All right, let's talk about the other NFC West battle, Seattle and San Francisco. And yeah, I think these are the two teams that we're starting to feel like are letting the division down a little bit. Uh, they're, two, they're two that are not living up to what the NFC West was supposed to be. This game wasn't actually that close. Seattle ended up winning 28 to 21. Uh, we got the under. This, uh, the 49ers made it look closer at the end, just like every Seattle game ever. But Seahawks kind of won with ease. What did you take away from this game? You know, when this, this game first started, Seattle actually started the game with five straight three and outs. (laughs) I've never seen anything like it. And, you know, one of my things that I I saw coming into this game was that Seattle's offensive line is completely banged up and they're really, really, really struggling to block. And if you can't block offensively, there's not much that you can do. And eventually you saw Russell Wilson really take advantage of the problems in the 49ers secondary. but. I'm really out on both of these teams. Like, what is your thoughts on Seattle Seahawks and 49ers as far as their playoff chances and everything like that? Yeah, I was on Seattle on this game. I think a lot of people were on Seattle, even though the Seahawks were underdogs. This was a very public underdog this week, which scared me a little bit because it was my favorite play of the week. But then, you know, and they got down early, but then scored a touchdown on four of their next five drives. And so my initial instinct was, ah, yep, I was right. Seattle, they just took over this game. They had it all the way. They just got started a little bit slow. The numbers don't say that. The numbers have 49ers outgained them 457 yards to 234 yards. They ran 18 more plays. They just had a bunch of mistakes. They turned it over twice, none for Seattle. They were 2 of 14 on the third down. Uh, they fumbled a kickoff and then had another botch kickoff return. They missed a field goal. And then, of course, what we haven't said yet, Jimmy Garoppolo went out at halftime, had a calf injury, did not play again, and Trey Lance came in. And at first, for about a quarter and a half, Trey, my guy, was not doing much. He had a big touchdown to Debo Samuel when Seattle just completely fell asleep and left like half of the field wide open that me or you would have thrown that touchdown. So we can't give him too much credit for that one. And then I think like halfway through the fourth quarter, he had still had one completion for the entire half. Then late, he got it going a little bit. He converted a few fourth downs, you know, made a few plays with his legs, ran for 41 yards, ended up with two touchdowns, passing 157 yards. So this, what we saw from Trey Lance, it wasn't great. He's definitely struggled. He wasn't ready, but he could make a few plays for this team. So, so San Francisco, again, just the injuries piling up. You're missing your stud. I mean, Trent Williams might be the best offensive lineman in the league. He's certainly in the conversation, 
So he might be out now. You might be missing your quarterback. And we don't know if Trey Lance is necessarily ready. Up next for the 49ers, the Cardinals, the team that are undefeated and just destroyed the Rams. So both of these teams, you know, the, the Seahawks play the Rams now and the Niners play the Cardinals. And as much as the Rams struggled today, it feels like the Rams and Cardinals are much better than these two teams and are lined up to both get wins. And that could really put Seattle and San Fran in trouble. I push back on that. The 49ers, they're kind of equipped to give the Cardinals problems. When you look at what the Cardinals did wrong today, they really struggled to stop the run. The Rams had a 60% rushing success rate. They got first downs on, on 35% of their runs. They gave them 68 yards rushing in the first quarter. This Rams deep, this Rams offense has struggled to run the ball all year. But Henderson had 14 carries, 89 yards. And I think if the Rams aren't playing from behind, the Rams are probably running it down their throat. And I think, obviously, you got Trey Lance out there. You got this zone run scheme. I think the 49ers are kind of live next week. Now, obviously, you're going to see a lot of money coming on the, the Arizona Cardinals next week. But there's a there's a reason this line is only four and a half. And I think Trey Lance, it's pretty clear that he adds an, a, another level of variance that Jimmy G doesn't have. And you saw it today. Like, he's a playmaker. And I, you give Kyle Shanahan a week to game plan and put some plays in. And I think he's going to perform well. And I think the 49ers might be live next week. Yeah, I think that that's fair, too. Uh- my takeaway from the Cardinals after the way that they dominated the Rams and, and dominated the scoreboard was, all right, I'm not totally in yet, but I think I just bought a few more weeks to fade the, the Cardinals. And I think that against the 49ers might be a first spot to be able to do that. Uh, what about the division? So right now at BetMGM, the Cardinals and Rams are tied at plus 170 atop the division odds. Seattle is plus 400. San Francisco is plus 600. What do you think about that? Are you betting one of those right now? I'm really not like, I I think you got to let this thing play out for a little bit more. I think it's obviously a two team race right now. I love Russell Wilson, but I just, I'm not a believer in the Seattle team. Obviously this secondary is a struggle. And then when you see the offensive line problems, I just don't think you can touch Seattle. And I I love the Rams and I love the Cardinals, but I just kind of need to see a little bit more. Yeah. I'm ready to bet the Rams here. I feel pretty good about this plus 170 getting even odds with the Cardinals. Look, just on Friday, I just put, you know, just recommended betting against the Cardinals even to make the playoffs. Obviously, they're in a much better position to do that after this this win. Probably will end up being their best win of the season. Uh, but Arizona still has a really difficult schedule coming up. They still have to play five more games in this division. They've got other tough NFC games coming. They had really their easier games in non-conference games earlier in the year that they got out of the way with already. And Arizona has won me, won my respect, but they have not totally won me over yet. I'm not really too worried about the Rams as a top team in the regular season. That defense, that could be a problem when the games really count in the playoffs. But I still feel like the Rams are a notch above these other teams. Um, they're playing Thursday night in Seattle. And as, as much as Seattle's O-line has had trouble and their defense can't get off the field, that's a great spot for the Rams to get right, get back into control. And if the Cardinals do stumble the next few weeks, the Rams will be right back leading the division again. So I like them at plus 170. I think there's some real value there. It definitely is the division that continues to be pretty interesting. Uh, but let's move on to a few of our other games here. Hit them a little faster before we get to our wrap-up. 
Our next one up is this week's Stink of the Week. Smell it, smell it, smell it. It's the smell. It's quite pungent. Dude, plug your nose. It stinks. This is your Stink of the Week. This one stung for me. I have been in on the Falcons. Uh, I was believer before the season. They sucked. They lost the first two games. I wrote about them as a possibility to come back and make the playoffs still. Today was their chance to be able to be in position for that. They're playing Washington. The Falcons are up eight with under four minutes left. And Atlanta is an underdog. So I just need Atlanta to cover the plus one and a half. They're up eight. This is like feeling really good about this. Taylor Heineke drops back and basically throws a Hail Mary up for grabs. Like, you know, when you're a kid and you're like 500 and you just chuck it up and see who can come down with it. He just throws it up. I mean, they're they're down eight. They somehow pull it in for the touchdown. They line up for two to go for the tie and miss it. But there's a flag. So they get another chance. And then they miss that one, too. So the Falcons are still up two. I'm still feeling good about my plus one and a half. Worst case scenario, Washington's going to maybe get the ball, move down the field, get the field goal. I'll still get the one and a half cover. So sure enough, Atlanta goes three and out, give the ball back to Heineke, who's not even supposed to be in the NFL. And he somehow drives Washington right down the field into field goal range. It's third and seven, 30 seconds left. The only job here is just hand the ball off, run the clock, kick the field goal and get out of here. Instead, Heineke rolls left, throws across his body, this loopy weirdo pass to J.D. McKissick who runs toward the end zone and like Superman leaps, dives out. We got to do the review. He barely crosses the plane for the touchdown. Washington wins 34 to 30. Atlanta backers plus one and a half. I'm sorry. I feel your pain. I played it too. For me, that is our stink of the week. But how about the the real stink of the week was that rough in the passer penalty on Chase Young, where (laughs) Matt Ryan is literally – Throwing the ball off one knee, he's down, and they call it rough. I, I, I've never seen anything like that before. Yeah, that was rough. That was definitely rough. I, I will say, too, it might be time to give up on this Washington defense. You know, we had them as a top 5D coming into the year. Atlanta was the worst offense in the league by DVOA entering this game, and Washington couldn't get off the field. Like, this is a struggle. That pass rush that's supposed to be awesome is not really getting home, you know, regardless of that that terrible penalty you're talking about. But – Washington gave up three touchdowns to Cordero Patterson, Cordero Patterson, three touchdowns out of the backfield. I mean, I don't know. Washington's defense. We knew that they'd probably regress a little bit, but regress is supposed to be toward the mean, not toward the bottom of the league. This has been embarrassing so far. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, when you look at this team, it's really a struggle on their secondary. They're 29th in EPA per play this season. And when you look at, they're also 21st in success rate. So this is not a team that can really stop anybody. Speaking of teams that can't stop anybody, let's talk about the Chiefs, who finally stopped somebody just enough to actually cover a game. Yes, folks, Kansas City covered a football game. They finally did it again. Only their second cover in 11 games. They finally finished a game not as a one-score affair. Chiefs 42, Eagles 30, zero punts in this game. And uh, Patrick Mahomes had five touchdowns. Tyreek Hill had 386 yards. Huge game for him. Uh, The big difference to me was efficiency. 
The Eagles only went three of six in the red zone. They moved the ball all game. Did not make me feel great about this Chiefs defense, but the Chiefs, they just converted when they had to. Patrick Mahomes was nine of 10 on third down, five of five in the red zone. So I don't know that I left this game feeling like, all right, the Chiefs have right of the ship. Everything is fine now. If you're giving up 30 points and six red zone trips to Jalen Hurts in this offense, I might be a little more afraid than ever, but hey, we got to cover. Basically, this offense is going to be able to outscore anybody, but the defense is it's a real problem. Hopefully, the return of Frank Clark and Willie Gay can change some things, but right now, I, I just don't see how this team we can look at this team as a Super Bowl contender with this defense. Yeah, they play the Chiefs play Sunday night against Buffalo next week, which will be a real test to see. Okay, here are two teams that, you know, the Bills are murdering everyone. So let's see what the Chiefs do against a team that they might actually have to play in the playoffs. Uh, One other takeaway for me on this game for the Eagles, Devontae Smith, the rookie receiver, that dude's the real deal. He had seven catches for 122 yards. He had 71 and a touchdown in the opener. I was impressed against Dallas last week. I'm looking at rookie of the year odds for Devontae Smith. I'm still not sure if these quarterbacks are going to get the job done. Usually this is a stats award and Devontae Smith has really kind of been off the radar for the most part. Jamar Chase is the receiver everyone's talking about. So if I see Smith at like a 20 to one or something, I might be looking at him uh, just to, you know, get a little piece of that. The offensive rookie of the year race still seems pretty open to me. So that's why I'm kind of hunting for some action here. It's interesting that you mentioned the Chiefs in the Buffalo Bills game next week. This number actually opened up at Chiefs minus four and a half. We're seeing this line go down to three now. There's even some two and a halves in the market. The, the total actually opened at 57, and we're seeing that drop down to 56. One of the reasons why is because Buffalo probably been one of the best teams at defending the Kansas City Chiefs. They put that two deep high safety look out there, and they they forced the Chiefs to just throw the ball underneath. And it's it's something that the Chiefs are comfortable with. They're comfortable with running the ball with Clyde Ellis, Hilaire, throwing short, but it's not the ideal thing. And I think that's why that total was starting to come down. So, you know, look out for that. And, you know, maybe the Buffalo Bills will probably have a good chance of actually pulling off the win this time. I know they played them tough out there in Buffalo. And in an AFC championship game, they did have a lead before – the Chiefs put it together, but it should be an interesting game. Then. Should be a good one. Give credit to the schedule makers. These primetime games have been living up to billing so far, especially these Sunday night games. We've got a lot of good ones, a lot of clips. And we, we've gotten two, we got two straight unders on these primetime games after a nice little <laughs> one. I think like we, we pretty much the first eight games all went over. Now we got two straight unders. Maybe we'll see another one with this one next week, especially since the public is starting to push this thing down. Well, one game that did not go over or go under today was Cowboys-Panthers. Another unbeaten that fell. Cowboys won 36-28. A big over there. Cowboys got the cover. I think that Dallas still is 4-0 against the spread. They're the last team now that is undefeated against the spread. Uh, Carolina was the other one. And then Denver, which who lost. Uh, Cowboys kind of ripped this thing open. They had 20 points in the third quarter. 36-28 makes it feel close. It never really felt that close to me. Carolina finally had to bring their number one defense against a real attack and Dallas offense just shredded them. I thought, so you're a Cowboys fan. Are you feeling starting to feel pretty good about this team of yours? I think there's still some issues 
defensively. I, I think it's so funny that you put this game right next to Chiefs Eagles because when I look at the Chiefs and the Cowboys, I'm kind of handicapping them in the same exact way. Obviously, the Cowboys have a little bit better defense, but I think the Cowboys have really been fortunate when it comes to these turnovers. And I think that's that's something that we saw for the Miami Dolphins all last year where they had turnovers every game. And I feel like the Cowboys are getting it done. Bray Diggs is out here and getting interceptions every single game. But I think the story of this game is that the Panthers, they had significant injuries at cornerback, J.C. Horn, Miles Hartfield, Justin Burris. And you playing a Cowboys offense, scoring 30 points per game, first in offensive success rate, first in dropback success rate, rushing success rate. This Cowboys offense is a, it's a force to be reckoned with. Obviously, we saw a throwback game from Ezekiel Elliott, 20 carries, 143 yards. When the offense is clicking like this, it's, it's tough to beat. And then if you win a turnover battle, you're probably going to win 70% of the time. And that's what the Cowboys did. Yeah, Dallas is looking good. I mean, the fact that you uh, just compared them to the Chiefs without batting an eye shows you how far this team has come. You know, even uh, the defense is definitely not as bad as the Chiefs. Few defenses in history are as bad as the Chiefs defense right now. But for the Cowboys to go from, they were kind of somewhat of an afterthought coming into the season. They certainly weren't a team with a whole lot of buzz. Uh, they always felt a little undervalued. And it's strange that each week they still continue to feel undervalued. It seems like finally we may have to catch up to that now. But this team has had a really impressive first month. It, it was not an easy schedule to open the season. You know, they're on the road in Tampa. They're on the road against the Chargers. Uh, this is not an easy one against Carolina. It looks it looked better earlier in the season until Carolina was three and zero, and the offense has just continued to move the ball well. They're number one offense on first down, and that was the case today. They just kept getting into good positions. I like that they were really attacking with their tight ends all game. Like it feels like uh, Kellen Moore is is having very specific scripts, uh, calling plays and uh, fitting against what the defense has available. So. I still think there's some value on Dallas. This team really is coming to play. If you look at the NFC, we talked about the Cardinals and the Rams. There are the Bucks and the Packers. I just feel like the Cowboys are, are right in that mix. And I don't know why the Cowboys are any worse than those teams right now. Do you think they belong in that group? In today's NFL, where offense matters, you have to be one of the best teams in the league. So I, I think you kind of got to give the Cowboys some respect. I can't stress how lucky they've been with these turnovers, though. And I think that might be the thing that comes back to bite them in the playoffs. If they're playing better teams and not turning the ball over as much. But, I mean, the sky's the limit for this team when you have an offense this good. One thing I will say is that similar to Kyler Murray, and I think we got into this on Friday, on Strong, strong Side Friday, is that I think Dak is an MVP candidate. You definitely want to have some Dak futures in your, your portfolio as far as the MVP. So I'll push back on that a little bit. I saw that Dak Prescott over the last three games is only attempting 25 passes a game. I actually feel like Dallas is maybe a little too good for Dak Prescott to be MVP. They're running the ball so well right now. Like we we really like Dak coming into the year. And I bet on CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper of receiving yards, receiving touchdowns. But the truth is that the offense has been so good that Dak doesn't have to be that good. You know, Kyler is doing everything. Patrick Mahomes does everything. Tom Brady throws all the touchdowns. Dak is sharing because Zeke has been great and Pollard has been great. And they're they're winning so easily right now. And the defense improving that I feel like his volume may not be there. And he might be able to kind of be more what we saw early in Dak's career. Kind of that game manager, you know, take care of things, make the plays when you need to. So 
you know, on the other hand, it's Dak Prescott. It's the Cowboys. If Dallas goes 13 and four, 14 and three, and he's the quarterback of the Cowboys, he's going to be in the mix for sure. But I don't know if he's going to have the statistical case to stand up with some of these other top guys. What do you think? Derek Carr has almost almost 300 more yards than him, but Prescott is still top 10 in DVOA. He's second in success rate. He's, he's at the top of the chain in, in terms of all these metrics. And they're going to be on prime time. We're going to see him on Thanksgiving <laughs> Day. And we're going to see them a couple, a few more times this year to have a chance to win in big spots. And I think he's, he's one and two wins in big spots away from actually having a shot. So I, I think yeah. there's some value in it. Yeah. I think, you know, if nothing else, I may have to put a little bit on Dak to an MVP just as a hedge for my near lock comeback player of the year at this point, because I feel like the only way he doesn't win comeback player of the year is if you won MVP and then they're like, all right, well, let's give comeback to somebody else then instead. So I may have to hedge a little bit, but I think you have a good point. It, he's definitely set up well. Dallas is set up well. So if things swing back the other way and he gets one of those big uh, big passing games, a couple big late drives, there could be, definitely be some value there. I still think a lot of the voters still weigh wins so much when it comes to MVP as well. For sure. Obviously, since it's a quarterback's award. So, I mean, maybe he's not going to win something like Offensive Player of the Year, but I think MVP is a little bit different. Yeah, I think you're right. All right, let's zoom through the rest of Sunday action to wrap up week four. America's game of the week was a dud with the Packers beating the Steelers 27-17. Thanks in part to a 10-point swing on the last play of the first half when a phantom offside flag took away a Minka Fitzpatrick field goal block touchdown return. Tough under for batters on this one. Came up a half point short. We had only one touchdown and five turnovers in the last 20 minutes. So that was a rough one there. The Vikings drove 75 yards for an opening touchdown on the Browns and then never scored again. Seven of the next nine Minnesota drives were three and out or worse. Cleveland won our easiest under of the day, 14 to seven. Justin Fields officially got his first win as the Bears beat the Lions 24 to 14. Another tough under for Lions. It's a tough under and a tough uh, Lions beat uh, with Detroit turned it over four times inside the 10-yard line on that one including in a way that only the Lions can, bouncing a snap off of uh, Jared Goff in shotgun back over the line into the arms of a Bears defender. Uh, The Ravens beat the Broncos 23-7 to in a snooze fest that featured 17 punts. Teddy Bridgewater left with concussion symptoms, and Drew Locke reminded everyone why Denver chose Teddy as the starter in the first place. Broncos are not undefeated anymore, but their unders still are at 4-0. The Colts got on the board with their first win of the season, 27-17 over the Dolphins. Miami scored a pair of fourth down touchdowns late to hit the over, but Indianapolis controlled all the way. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, who got their second shutout in three weeks, 40 to nothing beat down over the Texans. Rookie Davis Mills had 87 yards and four interceptions for Houston. They had a six first downs all game. And last but certainly not least, Start spreading the news. You want to be a part of it. New York, New York, the city that never sleeps is on the board with its first two wins of the season. The Giants and the Jets won in overtime on the same day for the first time ever. Daniel Jones had over 400 yards and improved to 11 and four on the road against the spread. The G-men came back from 21-10 late in the game to beat the Saints on that one. 
And those little town blues also melted away for the Jets in a 27-24 win. Another rough beat for underbetters. It was 10-9 coming to the fourth quarter. Then we had 29 points and hit the over there. Zach Wilson got his first win in overtime when the Titans missed the tying field goal. Congratulations, New York fans. At least for today, you are king of the hill, number one, top of the list. All right, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor and get to Monday Night Football. The Action Network podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. And to celebrate the 2021 NFL season, BetMGM is offering a great sign-up offer for our listeners, a $1,000 risk-free first bet. You just open an account at BetMGM and make your first deposit. Then make your first bet. If that bet wins, the money is yours. And if your bet doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $1,000. It's that simple. To get started, just click on the link in this episode description. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the best features for NFL betting, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, BetMGM is compatible with our BetSync technology, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right. Well, Monday night, we've got a division battle in the AFC West. Chargers and Raiders headed to LA. This line is at minus three right now. It's been moving around a little bit, minus three and a half, back to three again. Uh, The total is at 51 and a half. The Raiders are undefeated, but they're underdogs on the road in this one. What are you thinking? I'm actually thinking about the over this, this line opened up at 52 and a half and we're seeing some under money that's pushing this down to 51 and a half. But my model actually makes this, this game 53. Look, both of these teams, they like to pass the ball. The Chargers are passing the ball 65% of the time while the Raiders are passing the 64% of the time. We all know Justin Herbert is a stud. Derek Carr is averaging 401 yards a game. And I, I just don't trust this, this Raiders secondary to really stop Justin Herbert and Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Like, to me, the Raiders really haven't been tested yet. Like, I mean, we saw them go up against Miami, and Jacoby Brissett was able to lead this team on a comeback to, to push this game into overtime. Lamar Jackson, without many receiving threats, was able to just drive up and down the field at will. So I'm expecting the Chargers to be able to go out there and score. And then obviously the Raiders, Derek Carr is, is having an MVP-like season. And this, this Raiders offense is, has been able to score. And obviously I think this Chargers pass rush will probably be one of the best pass rushes that they faced thus far. But I still think you're looking at a high-scoring game. So the Raiders are 7-1 and one to the over the last eight games. I'm going to ride with it. Yeah, the pass rush on both sides I think will be really interesting in this one. 
Uh, I was not expecting the Raiders pass rush to be so good, but they've been dominant so far. And this is a real test for the Chargers offensive line. That was a unit that I was really excited about coming into the season, what improvements that they made. Rashawn Slater, the rookie at left tackle, has been a really good so far, but this is a big test for him. Right tackle has been a big problem for the Chargers. Balaga is out, as always, with an injury, and that could be a big test. And what's interesting in this game is both quarterbacks are really good against the blitz, but neither defense blitzes a whole lot. And so it's going to be interesting sort of chess match to see, okay, do we bring extra guys? If we do, either of these quarterbacks can take the defense apart a little bit. Uh, I like the Chargers defense, how it matches up here too. Similar to last week against the Chiefs. Rand Staley loves that too deep defense. So you drop the safeties, you take away the deep ball, and you force the other team to check it down, throw it underneath, and run the ball a lot. In past years, that's exactly what you would expect a Derek Hart to do. Captain check down over here, just checking it off every time. But this year, the Raiders have been throwing it deep, and that's where the Chargers defense has been better against it. The way to beat the Chargers right now is run the ball. And the Raiders can't run at all this year. They rank second to last in rushing DVOA. Their offensive line has been much worse this year. And, you know, Josh Jacobs is a question as well. So with the Raiders struggling to run the ball, I think that this is going to be a tough test on both sides. I like the way that the matchups uh, trend here. The Raiders' secondary hasn't really been tested yet. Like you said, they haven't really faced a quarterback like Justin Herbert who can throw it the way he does. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Williams has been huge this season, kind of breaking out, finally get, getting a stride there. So it definitely, I, I had the Chargers minus three as a hot read last week. I still feel like the matchups really favor the Chargers in this one, but it's a division game. The Raiders are undefeated and it feels like it could be a, a tough one still. So are, do you feel like you have a lean to either side on this one? Yeah, I don't, I don't really have anything on the side. I want to fade that line move because I think we're going to get a high-scoring game. Yeah, a couple of things that are giving me a little bit of pause. Just on the field, I love the Chargers here, but I had be careful one, two, and three in my notes. Be careful, number one, short road dogs, four points or less on Monday night in division games. So that's the Raiders here are 20, 11, and one. So 65% cover, 16 out of 32 of one outright. So that favors the Raiders. Be careful, number two, Short underdogs this season are 14-8 and eight against the spread, 64% cover. All 14 of those teams I covered won the game. Another one for the Raiders. Be careful, number three, unbeaten underdogs are 31-22. and 22. That's a 58% cover rate. That includes the Cardinals today getting that win, unbeaten underdogs. So definitely in action labs where all those are from, the trends favor the Raiders here. I'm not willing to blindly follow the trends. I still like the matchup for the Chargers. I think the numbers underrate the Chargers a little bit right now. They've had a lot of penalty yards. They've had multiple touchdowns taken away in the past two weeks, and we don't get to see those in the numbers. So I do like the Chargers here, but I played the minus three early in the week. If I had to take them, that's where I'd lean. But all those trends going the other direction makes me not really want to add to my position here. I read a stat earlier is that the Chargers have actually allowed the eighth highest number of targets to tight ends in their 31st in success rate. <laughs> Who does Derek Carr like to throw the ball to? Darren Waller. So if you're looking for some props, maybe you want to take Darren Waller over. Obviously, the Chargers, they struggle to stop the run. If Josh Jacobs plays or Peyton Barter is out there, maybe you want to take some props on them. But I just think we're looking at over. I just This feels like 
one of those years to where, obviously, I mentioned earlier, we got two primetime unders in a row. Primetime overs have been killing it. Public is pushing this number down. I kind of want to get in on the over before it hits the key numbers. All right. I like it. It should be a good Monday night football game. We don't get a ton of division battles on Monday night. You know, it seems like one we'd get a lot of, but it should be a fun one. I'm excited to watch. We might be down to only one unbeaten team after this one. If the Raiders fall, we'll be down to Cliff Kingsbury and the Arizona Cardinals as our final undefeated team in 2021. So let's wrap up here with our week five hot read. We're going to look ahead to next Sunday. We've been doing well with our hot reads, getting the best of some of these lines. I know that you are playing a couple early totals for next week. So what's one of the totals you like? Okay, the first total I like is I like the the Philadelphia Eagles, Carolina Panthers, under 46 and a half. My model makes this game 43. The Panthers, before they played the Dallas Cowboys, they were first in EPA per play. They were first in success rate. Played the Cowboys team, was scoring 31.5 points per game, first in offer success rate, fourth in EPA per play. But now they're dropping back down to playing the Eagles team, which is just 16th in EPA per play. We saw the Eagles put up a dominant performance on offense, scored 30 points against the Kansas City Chiefs. A, a defense which is, is probably the worst in the league. But I'm not expecting this team to reproduce that offensive output this week. They're dealing with injuries on the offensive line. And they have to face a Panthers defensive line, which is 58% of the time they're creating wins with their pass rush. When I look at the Panthers offensively, I'm, I'm, I don't see how they're going to put up that same offensive output that they put on the Cowboys. The Eagles are a better defense. Like I said before, my model makes this game 43, so at 46 and a half. That's enough discrepancy for me to go under. I like that one. I don't do a lot of totals, but that makes sense. That definitely seems like a very defensive, close sort of game. So I feel like you're going to get some closing line value on that one as it continues to move. Uh, my first one I'm sure is going to end up being a public play, but I'm going to grab it before the line moves in the direction. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home against the Miami Dolphins. I'll take the favorites here. They're at nine and a half point favorites at some books. Uh, I think this is just going to rise, rise, rise by the time that we get to the game. We're going to get to 13, 13 and a half, 14 points. Everyone's going to be betting on the Bucs, but I want to bet on them before that line moves up, especially at nine and a half. You get to uh, stay away from that, that 10 points there. The Dolphins are terrible right now. They couldn't even show up against a DOA Colts team today. Dolphins had three points until meaningless drives at the end of the game. They scored twice on fourth down, but they finished the game with 203 yards the entire game. They had under 23 minutes of possession. Uh, they're just not doing anything right now. The defense has, has not been good enough. The offense is barely moving the ball. I don't feel like the Dolphins are going to be able to move the ball, even against Tampa Bay with that secondary in shambles. We talked about that, but this is a perfect spot for Tampa Bay to get right because you don't need a whole lot of secondary against Jacoby Brissett and an offense that can't really pass on you anyway. So Tom Brady has not been throwing touchdowns. It's time for Tom to get his numbers moving again. The Bucks, I think, finally are relieved to be done with these last couple crazy weeks, and Tom will be ready to move on past the New England game and put up a big number on the Dolphins here. So I'm expecting Tampa to score a lot of points. I definitely want to grab this one before the line rises. So I, I agree with you. But you do want to get that at nine and a half. Yes. If you take it, obviously 10 is a key number. For those of you who are not familiar with key numbers, if you were to look at NFL frequency 
of point differential margins. 10 actually comes out 4.86% of the time, almost 5%. So you want to get that before it gets to 10, 10 and a half. You're getting it at nine, you, you find yourself in a good position. And 13 and 14 are other key numbers, right? So if this line continues to rise to that way, you you would want to get it before that as well. So grabbing it at nine and a half, you're avoiding a bunch of those key numbers. Oh yeah, without a doubt. My second pick of the day is I'm actually going to go, we spoke earlier about how the Washington football team's defense is truly overrated. They play the Saints this week. Look, this Washington football team secondary is really, really rough. We know Jameis Winston really hasn't hasn't had to throw his deep ball as much as he has in Tampa Bay. But I'm going to go over 43 and a half. I think this is a really sneaky total to play. We're starting to see Washington football team totals going over. We have to get rid of our preconceived notions about what this defense is because they're not slowing anybody down. And I think Sean Payton and this Saints offense, is they're going to they're wake up this week. And I also think the Washington football team should be able to put up enough. 43 is like a really low total in today's NFL. I think the average total is around 47 or something like that. So I like to just go over. I like that one as well. Uh, so my other one for this week is uh, not a sexy game, but I'd rather just make a little bit of money. So we're going to Jacksonville where the Jaguars will host the Tennessee Titans. And I like the favorite here. The Titans are three and a half point favorites. It's another one where I expect that line to rise as the week goes on. We already missed the, the three point key number. I don't think it's coming back, but earlier today, this morning, uh, Sunday morning, that is, the Titans were minus seven. And then they went out and laid an egg and lost the Jets. And we got the line cut in half at minus seven. I wouldn't have loved it. But at three and a half, there's definitely value here. I'm not so worried about the Titans after that Jets game. The Titans had a monster day. They had 93 plays to only 60 for the Jets. Titans picked up 30 first downs. And remember, no Julio Jones, no A.J. Brown. And they still dominate anyways. The problem was they just made a ton of mistakes. They got sacked seven times. They had 98 penalty yards. They were five of 19 on third down and two of five in the red zone. And even still, even without their two-star receivers, they still came a missed field goal away at the end of the game from coming away with a tie. So I'm not worried about the Titans. The Jaguars stink. Urban Meyer, where you know, we're getting pictures of him out on the weekend. We can't be giving him weekends off. You know, he's probably already getting his resume ready. He's getting a memo ready about, you know, his his next time to go hang out with his family again. Jacksonville is just not good. Trevor Lawrence is throwing the ball to the other team. Tennessee owns this team. They've won seven out of eight against Jacksonville, and four of those wins are by 21 points or more. Derrick Henry eats this team for breakfast, and then he goes back for seconds too. Like, this guy just destroys this team. The Titans are going to win with ease, an easy chance to get them back on track again. So I love them at minus three and a half here. Oh, yeah, that's not a bad pick. And also, I think you definitely want to get that before AJ Brown and Julio Jones are yep. announced then, because if they if they they if they're announcing, this line's going to go up. So yeah, definitely jump on up. Start jumping on our hot reads early. We've been doing really well. I forget what our record is last week, but I know we killed it. <laughs> yeah, we're we're getting great closing value too. So make sure to follow both of us on the app as well. You'll get these notifications uh, when these plays come in. Don't wait around on these lines. Look. This line is not moving in Jacksonville's direction. Nobody wants to bet on Jacksonville in this game. So it can only move in Tennessee's direction as we get injury news, as money starts coming in. You got to jump on these lines early. 
And that's what we're doing with our hot read here. So that is going to wrap it up today at the Action Network podcast. Please make sure to rate, subscribe, and review. Stucky and Raybon are back Wednesday night with their NFL betting guide six-pack. Raheem and I will be back Friday with our usual run through the slate. For Raheem Palmer, I'm Brandon Anderson, and this has been the Action Network podcast. We are on to week five.